It's time for JT the Brick. Receiver from the University of Colorado, number 21, Cliff Branch. We kick off the summer of Cliff Branch. Puckett drops back to pass. Steps up. He looks. Over the middle. He's got it. Touchdown Raiders. That's put by Cliff Branch. The summer of Cliff. Cliff Branch. All summer long. JT the Brick. Prepare your phone call. I want Cliff content from you. Stabler plays fake back to pass. Gets a big rush out. will cut the man. Stabler throwing deep for Branch. He's got it at the 20. What separated Cliff was he was amazing, meticulous route runner. As we count down to Cliff, the summer of Cliff on the flagship. And now, here's JT the Brick. Welcome back, everybody. JT, as we are continuing with the summer of Cliff, countdown to Cliff Branch being ducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. A little over a week before we head out to Canton, and we're excited to be a part of that. And we've been talking to his teammates, his friends, just people who knew him well and could share some stories. Ira Matthew is one of the greatest rookie seasons in Raiders history, a Super Bowl champion, former running back, and a great return man on kickoffs and punts and great friend of Cliff Branch. Ira, how you doing? I hope you're having a great summer. Thanks for doing this. JT, how you doing? My pleasure. I'm doing great. Um, looking forward to going to Canton. Yes. For two days. To see our good friend get inducted to the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Ira, let's begin when you first met Cliff and the impact that he had on your life as a player on the field and a human being off the field. Oh, man. (laughs) Being a rookie, 1979, playing with all the Raider greats, uh, Cliff was one of the first ones to reach out to me. Teach me the ropes, and uh, he reminded me that uh, he had more return punt returns, the kickoff <laughs> returns than I had in college. I had eight; I think he had nine. <laughs> I couldn't be mad though. But a uh, great friend of mine, his family and my family became real good friends. Still out today because I live down here in Houston, Texas, where he's originally from. So I always get a chance to hang out with his sisters. And uh, kids and stuff like that, but uh, one of a kind. Absolutely. Ira, you were very fast, and you had some great moments. That 104-yard return against the Chargers, one of the great videos that the Raiders archive here. What was the difference with Cliff's speed, real time, when you saw him? Maybe in practice he's going 70 80%, game day warming up, and then you see him real speed in a game. What was it like? <laughs> We called him Amazing Grace. I see him take a five yard out and go eighty five yards in a heartbeat. But uh, I like to say, well, nobody faster than me, but him. So, but uh, I, he he was blessed. But uh, great route running, and they used to complain early on. I heard about him not being a catch, but my years there, he ain't dropped nothing. Isn't that amazing? Because that's true. We talked to Freddie B. about it, and Coach Flores has mentioned it, too, the struggles that he had. And a lot of young players have struggles and receivers. He's not the first-ride receiver that had the case of the drops. Jerry Rice might be the most famous of all time to be the GOAT and the greatest of all time. But Cliff had Freddie around him, and he mentioned we played a soundbite of Raymond and Warren Wells. And then all the great players that were around him, 
And Cliff had a fight for the ball. When you played for the Raiders, even before you got there, that Super Bowl team of the 76 season and 77, they wanted to run it behind yeah. Shell and Upshaw. That was a running team. So Cliff got limited touches and was able to make the most of them. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, the, ja- the game has changed a lot. Uh, it's more passing. You know, you couldn't throw no 50 times when we was playing. Mm-hmm. You had to get a whole bunch of quarterbacks. Quarterbacks come out to stand. So uh, it was limited touches, but he made the most of them. Absolutely. Ira Matthews joins us. Uh, what do you remember? And, and tell us about Super Bowl fifteen because Rod Martin had a massive game. Cliff had a monster game. Plunkett, obviously the MVP in that game. You dismantle and destroy Philadelphia. Dick Vermeil, rightfully so, finally has his day in the sun. He's getting inducted that weekend too. But what do you remember about Cliff and the party? and the lead-up to that and what that game meant to him because that was one of his greatest performances. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, you know, they had beat us during regular season mm-hmm. in their house, but uh, we felt that we could beat them, and, and we definitely showed that and proved that. Uh, you know, total team effort, and we were down there to do business, and that's what we did. Uh, great party afterward. You know, we had a few parties. That week, too, but... uh, (laughs) And let me stop you. Hold on, hold on. Let me stop you there. Everybody knows how tight Philly was at that Super Bowl. Vermeil didn't let him out. Literally, they were so wound up. And for your team and Coach Flores to let them let you run through New Orleans and Bourbon Street early in that trip, did that loosen you guys up? Was there ever a point where you were a little bit concerned, or how was practice that week? No, I mean, we... um... Like you say, we didn't have no curfew the first three, just three nights, maybe four. But we had to be at breakfast between seven and nine just to make sure, I guess, we were still living. But uh, <laughs> it was sort of like just being at home in Oakland. That's just the kind of vibe that we had. It was just another uh, regular season game. That's how you got to prepare for it. But uh, we worked hard like we always did in practice. And, uh, you know, it all proved to be right that's how we won that game so what was it like when cliff passed away where were you when you got the news that he died suddenly we all saw him as an ambassador for mark davis in vegas we all expected cliff to be with us for decades Uh, tell me ira where were you when you got the news and i can't imagine what you were going through that day and still oh man Uh, i was sitting at the house here in uh houston texas um and we got a text, you know, we got a group text, uh, ooh, me, uh, got to be about 15 guys on there. And uh, Cliff, got, Cliff had passed, and we couldn't believe it. Uh, no, he was in Arizona doing a signing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, it was just a shot, you know. Uh, we was all at the funeral, a bunch of us down here in Texas. A uh, bunch of tears were shed. Probably going to be a bunch more come on Hall of Fame day. But uh, it was a shocker to us. You know, Ira, you played the game. I didn't. I'm just trying to do my job and get the word out about Cliff. But I think a lot of people, when they went to Snakes and they went to Coach Flores, it was all about, you know, these guys should have been in 30 years ago. What what a disrespect not to get him in. And and Cliff falls into that category, too. He should have been in 30 years ago. But – I would sense, and you tell me if I'm wrong, that Cliff would want a party 
And if he was there and alive, he'd have that pinstripe suit and three rings on, and it would be a party. So what should we do for Cliff as a sea of silver and black takes over Canton? What do you want to see at that party? What do you want to see that weekend? Hey, it's going to be a Raider Nation party. We're going to have a party, and um, we're going to make sure they know, voice our opinion, that, yeah, it's a shame he should have been here a long time ago in the Hall of Fame. And we're just talking about him now. It's, it's some other guys we know should be in, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, it's going to be a great, proud day for the Silver and Black when uh, he gets his induction. Thank you, Ira. I'll see you in Canton. I look forward to having a great weekend with you there. Thank you so much for doing this. You know, you know, my pleasure. My man. Love you. Thank you, Ira. Appreciate it. Love you, too. Ira Matthews. Man, when he came in as a rookie, let me tell everybody, if you're not familiar and you don't know Ira well, 1979, Ira comes into the Raiders' sixth-round pick. Rookie season, rookie season, all-pro team as a return man. The famed 1979, October 25th, Monday night football, 104-yard return against the Chargers and a member of the Super Bowl 15 team. Uh, during his three seasons with the Raiders, he helped lead the team to the 1980 Wild Card, the 1981 AFC West Conference Championship, and the Super Bowl. So Ira played for the Raiders for a short period of time, but he was great friends with Cliff as he pointed out about that connection he had in Houston with the Branch family, who will be in full effect in Canton, Ohio. So if you're joining us, that's Ira Matthews, former kick return, punt returner, and running back. Uh, we have Lee Hacksaw Hamilton coming up a little bit later in the show. Miles Simmons joined us from Pro Football Talk, and a lot more happening. For those listening, uh, I opened up the show saying I got a source telling me that there could be a trade Juan Soto could end up in San Diego. Wanted to throw that out there. They couldn't afford to have Tatis, who has a massive contract. I believe Tatis will be moved. I did not say back to the Nationals. It could be a different team. It could be some type of trade, but I'll go with that. I heard that from a very good source today, so I wanted to get that out there. Also, Mike McCarthy is trending today because he claims his job security is not a story. There are many people that believe that Sean Payton who's not getting broadcasting jobs thrown at him to the level that they thought. Remember, Drew Brees got into broadcasting, and he didn't do well. He did not do well, and they took him off the game. Remember, he did that Raider game. He broadcast that Raider playoff game in Cincinnati and was completely exposed. It's not easy to get into broadcasting. Sean Payton is a great coach. So Jerry Jones didn't move to solidify McCarthy's status for some time after that home playoff loss to the 49ers. That delay, according to Josh Alper at Pro Football Talk, that delay at that point in time brings up a conversation piece for Sean Payton. And could Sean Payton be there? Uh, Defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, how could that look? And Jones has since said that Payton shouldn't be a conversation piece for McCarthy's job. Uh, But that's something that Mike McCarthy is dealing with in Oxnard, California. And the big NBA story today is there's a potential offer. Reportedly, the Celtics are in for Kevin Durant. They threw out, uh, they declined a trade. Uh, They put out a trade for Jason Tatum, and the Brooklyn Nets declined it, and they want more. So that is a big story in the NBA today. A few teams have the depth of talent to meet Brooklyn's asking price for Kevin Durant, but the Celtics are one of the teams. Jalen Brown could be thrown into the mix. 
Obviously, it wouldn't be Jason Tatum. And uh, this tweet just went out and text, the Celtics appear no closer to acquiring Durant than others in a discussion with the Nets. But Boston's ability to include all-star forward Jalen Brown as a centerpiece would make the team formidable in its pursuit. The Miami Heat, the Phoenix Suns, Toronto Raptors have all been known to have various degrees of interest in Kevin Durant. So by the Celtics offering up Brown, uh, Brown put out a tweet, SMH, shake my head. So he's not happy about it. He's an all-star and he's a really ascending player in the league, but he's not Kevin Durant. There's only one Kevin Durant in this league. So if you're going to get, if you're going to be concerned and, and get hurt and be personally offended that you're part of a trade package that hasn't gone through for Kevin Durant, get over yourself. It's Kevin Durant. Durant's probably the best player in the world or the second best player of the world when he's completely healthy. So that is a big storyline today. And a little bit later, some sound of Big Poppy getting in the Hall of Fame. Coming up next, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton will join us. The franchise down in San Diego. We'll talk to him about the AFC West and go around the league. We are brought to you by Salmon Ash, SalmonAshInjuryLaw.com, because you deserve what's right. Sam and Ashley, two great attorneys for one price. SamandAshInjuryLaw.com. Slot left. Stabler back, looks, he throws, Branch makes the catch, Branch first down at the 48-yard line. Branch came out of the slot, made a move to the inside and turned out, forcing Haynes to pick him up, but it was too late, he had the ball, it was brought down by Haynes. One of the great things about the summer, a cliff, as we're celebrating Cliff Branch, as we're getting all these sound bites of Bill King, uh, thanks to the Raiders for helping us get some of that and build it here in our library. A lot of this wasn't lost. It was just lost on radio when no one really had it. And we built up the great, vast Bill King play-by-play calls over the years. Uh, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, uh, formerly a voice of two NFL teams, a franchise in Southern California, kind enough to join us. Lee, I'll jump in. Hope the summer is going well. Why are we waiting for Deshaun Watson and the announcement here of a year or eight games? What are your sources telling you? Uh, they've tried to negotiate a deal, and they thought they had a deal, and the union backed out of the transaction. That's what I was told. Um, you know, there's a big argument as to the depths of the depravity that Deshaun Watson got himself involved in. Uh, there was negotiations, that something that'd be along the lines of an eight-game suspension without the right to appeal. Uh, the league initially wanted one full calendar year and the right to say that he had to come back in and request reinstatement, and the union has fought them on everything. Uh, The union is fighting them on the negotiated eight-game suspension because they want the right to appeal, but the NFL says, if you negotiate eight, we don't need to have an appeal because you've accepted the eight games. So that's where they're stuck on that. Now there's talk of a 12-game suspension. There's talk about payback of some of the money from a year ago when he was paid and never played it down for the Houston Texans. It's just really complex I would assume by the end of this week, uh, the NFL discipline officer, the female judge, is going to hand down the ruling, and then we'll see who appeals what. You know, it's an unknown fact in this whole equation, JT, that the league can appeal, that Roger Goodell can appeal. If she filed 
uh, and said six games or four games or no games because he never got indicted, never got charged, the league would have a right to appeal that, just like Deshaun Watson and the union would have the right to appeal whatever the discipline officer hands down. So uh, it's coming. It's coming pretty quickly. End of the day, Cleveland is in real trouble uh, because he's going to get suspended some, uh, and he's in he's in real trouble because he will now have gone a year and a half or maybe two full years without playing a down of football. So that's that's where we are right now. And welcome to the next quarterback of the Cleveland Browns is probably going to be Jacoby Brissett. Hacksaw is our guest. Daniel Snyder seems to be running out subpoenas on one of their biggest yachts in the world. Uh, my source is telling me there are probably clearly enough votes to eventually vote him out from ownership as he's brought shame, other accusations from the culture to the issues with the cheerleaders to what was happening with him over the last five, six, seven, eight years. Any movement coming as he's not taking the subpoena and Roger Goodell had to speak in Congress virtually about Daniel Snyder. Well, we know how the Steve Bannon case has ended up. I think the bottom line on any discussion is you don't screw with a congressional subpoena. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why he won't go sit in front of them with a subpoena and just answer the questions. He's already been fined $10 million by the National Football League. Uh, The NFL, if if the owners want to remove him, they can. It would be a nasty vote, but that's happened in the past. Eddie DeBartolo was forced to sell the 49ers, despite all the brilliant things that he did in San Francisco in the Joe Montana-Steve Young era because of the bribery case in Louisiana. A former Philadelphia Eagles owner was expelled from the league because of a gambling addiction that really brought bad light on the National Football League. So, I mean, there is a methodology to remove him as the owner if they want, but it's pretty messy. Um, You know, it's a franchise that's in utter disarray. I feel really sorry for Ron Rivera. Very good coach, very good person, very popular guy. I mean, he's running uphill against this tidal wave of all this negativity that's above him in the executive offices at Redskins Park. So I'd have a hard time believing he's, uh, that Dan Snyder's going to be expelled from the league immediately. But, you know, is he going to live on his yacht the rest of the year? Never, never go uh, to Ashburn, Virginia, to their practice facility. So uh, story, story goes on and on. But mm-hmm. like I say, bottom line, you don't screw with a congressional subpoena. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. No one has more information. His website is fantastic. One man's opinion. His headlines are up there every day. I use it every day for my radio shows. Go check it out at LeeHacksawHamilton.com. So let's stay close to home in the AFC West as training camps open. The Chargers, it just seems to be getting that defense up to speed. Derwin James, Khalil Mack on the opposite side of Bosa and what they have. They have the players now on defense if their head coach gets them in trouble on fourth down, if for whatever reason one of the receivers get hurt, what are some of the keys to you for the Chargers being an elite playoff team this year? Well, I think they've put all the pieces of the puzzle in the box, and I think they're ready. They've signed seven veteran free agents from other clubs on the defensive side of the football. Normally, GT, that would be a huge challenge, but these guys all played at one time or another for Brandon Staley, and they walk in the front door at Chargers Park with full knowledge of the X's and O's that Staley will demand they play starting opening day. So I think that's huge, huge upgrade. They've changed the whole face of the defensive front seven. You mentioned Khalil Mack. My only concern, he's got a lot of miles on him coming off the foot injury. Uh, They signed a gifted. I mean, you go punch up YouTube video of J.C. Jackson in New England. 
I've not seen a lot of modern-day defensive backs that cover like this guy covers with speed and his fluidity and his athleticism. They went out and rebuilt the linebacking core. They rebuilt the defensive front. So they, they look like they are ready. And to me, the intangible is all these new guys coming in on defense, no Brendan Staley and no Brendan Staley system have played Brendan Staley system. So that's going to be fun. The number one draft pick, Zion Johnson, comes with great accolades out of Boston College. Will he be as good as last year's number one draft pick, Rashawn Slater, the, the left tackle? I, I think they're gifted, and I think they're ready to win if they can stay free of injury. Don't have a lot of depth at wide receiver. Anything ever happens to Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, it's a little bit of a different team. They don't have a lot of depth, proven depth, behind Austin Eckler. If he got hurt, running game wouldn't be the same. But they got Justin Herbert, and that kid is brilliant. Hacksaw's our guest. Let's go to Kansas City, who can't be as good as they were without Tyreek Hill, period. And the offensive line that they've had three years ago when they won the Super Bowl, went back. When I look at Kansas City, I just know they're not as dominant. Kelsey's another year older, but Mahomes is still in the beginning of his prime, and he can carry a team and start knocking down more MVP awards. What do you predict for the Kansas City Chiefs this season? JT, what does life after Tyreek Hill look like? Because he was a playmaker every time he touched the ball. He was a danger to go the length of the field every time he touched the ball. And because you had to account for him with multiple guys in your secondary, that let Travis Kelsey run wild while Tyreek Hill is now in Miami. Now, yes, they did sign Juju Smith-Schuster from Pittsburgh, and they went out in the marketplace, and they got Marquez Scantling from Green Bay, and they do have Mecole Hardman back as a third-year guy, and they got multiple tight ends, but they don't have the game-breaker that scares the hell out of you every time it comes off the line of scrimmage. In addition, they got this contractual thing at left tackle with Orlando Brown. You know, in this day and age of our world having economic problems, and he rejects, says $16.7 is not enough for him to play left tackle. And then he turned down $136 million on an extension, which is an $18 million average. That's not enough for him. That's kind of crazy to me. And they lose some leadership at the back end with Tyron Matthew having gone to New Orleans. But Andy Reid, brilliant coach. I think their they're player personnel people know the concept of the guys they want in the system they run. So it'll be fascinating to see, but as we circle back to the opening statement, what will life after Tyreek Hill's speed look like at Arrowhead Stadium? That's a big question. I think the Raiders, I know the Raiders got better because they got Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones coming off 10 wins, but Vegas and the odds maker, it's happened at eight and a half. Uh, they beat Denver the last four games. They get Russell Wilson, so I'll include the Raiders in Denver. In your analysis here on which team has the better chance, I mean, it seems like 10 wins is a minimum to get in, and some prognosticators are saying three teams, possibly from the AFC West, the division winner, and the two wild cards. Well, I think the Raiders' arrival of Josh McDaniels is a godsend to Derek Carr. He's gone through such topsy-turvy situations with coaches and coordinators, and I think they're on the same wavelength. And you add Devontae, and you go with Hunter Renfro, and you get a healthy Darren Waller back. That's pretty good. Now, they got to sort and sift what they have at running back. Is it going to be running back by committee? Do they throw to all these guys? Will they throw first, run second, so the running game in Jacobs won't be as critically important as maybe you would have thought under past coaches? Uh, that, those are all questions there. Retooling the offensive line. I mean, do they have a legitimate stud? That's a big issue. And I'll tell you what, in all the years you and I have gotten together and talked Raider football, 
They've constantly churned the defense. Get rid of old players, get rid of bad contracts, get rid of busted draft picks, and they kept bringing new people in. Well, they got another wave of new people. And until you've proven you can do it on the field, that to me is their Achilles. And their Achilles in an AFC West with all these quarterbacks, that's danger. But I I do like the linkage of Derek Carr with that new coach. I I think those are two bright minds that they'll be fun to watch. In terms of Denver, Russell Wilson will give them that they've not had since Peyton Manning. Big-time playmaker. They improve their offensive line. Now, the question to me is is what does the the defense look like uh, with the loss of Von Miller and the fact that it's no longer Vic Fangio's defense? Will it be radically different? I think that's something that you've got to pay attention to. But they do get Randy Gregory, and Brad Chubb is finally back healthy. Can they keep those two guys on the field defensively up front. Gregory's had enormous problems off the field with substance abuse, and Dallas finally reeled him in and made him a football player. And Chubb has got all this talent. He just has not been able to stay healthy. I, I, I like Denver's offense because I think they got all the skill around what they finally have they haven't had in a group of years in Russell Wilson. I think the AFC West is going to be so much fun to play. You know, they, they could play 500 against each other. They could knock each other around and be 500 within the division and then go win the rest of their games outside the division. Would not want to be a defensive coordinator Sunday by Sunday in the AFC West. I think it's just going to be fun football. The legendary sports talk host from San Diego, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Thank you, Lee. Camps are open. We'll be talking to you throughout the year. Always appreciate your time. My pleasure, JT. Be well. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. Uh, you can't get a, you really can't get a more up-to-date guest than him if you do what I do for a living. He's got it all covered because of his years of doing this, his sources, and what he knows, especially on the football side. We're going to recap what happened. Big Poppy. How about that? Big Poppy in the Hall of Fame. I didn't get to that. That was a big deal yesterday. We'll go around the league again. If you're joining us late, Josh McDaniels comments, Devontae, Andy Reid, other issues around the AFC West. It's football season. Training camp is there. We'll be out at practice on Wednesday and Thursday. No show on Wednesday for Aviators Baseball. Back Thursday inside the Raider facility. And we're brought to you by Meetup Vegas. Go to meetupvegas.com. Get the meat hookup that I promise you'll love. Ken Stabler triggered the feared Raider bomb to number 21, Cliff Branch. Cliff Branch, whose style is a flash of light, a puff of smoke, and gone. Welcome back to where it is in Vegas. Not as hot as it was. I just got back from Duck Creek, where I spent a Saturday, Friday, Saturday, and came back Sunday. So I got a little side-by-side going, ATVs, some pretty aggressive terrain uh, did some pretty amazing stuff out there, and a couple of my friends got kind of got me through the training process of this, buckled up, got in there, but I had a lot of fun and beat the heat, and now it's all downhill. It's football, 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 as we get you ready for the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. The next big road trip I'll be on is a football road trip, and I love saying that, football road trips. Where is your football road trip going to be this year? You should have it by now. I'll be in Tennessee. I'll be in New Orleans. I'd like to go to Jacksonville. There's only so many I can go on. What road trip game are you going on? The big story in the NFL over the weekend was very unfortunate. Houston Texans rookie receiver John Mechie III diagnosed with leukemia. 
Now, reports are that this is a curable form of leukemia, but he likely will not play this season. As he put out an announcement there recently, I was diagnosed with APL, a form of leukemia that is the most curable form of leukemia. He said that in a statement that came out over this past weekend. I'm currently receiving great medical care. I'm in good spirits. I expect to make a recovery at a later point in time. As a result of this diagnosis, I will likely not be playing football this season. Now, let's stop. This happens from time to time in sports. And Houston Texans are not very competitive now, correct? They're not a team that we're looking at as a playoff team. This is a human being. His priority in life is his health to survive leukemia. Secondly, it's his friends and family. Third, it's football. And he's got a big football tree because he was a great teammate at Alabama. Remember, he blew out his knee in the SEC championship game as one of the best wide receivers in the country and was cheering his teammates on the sideline, cheering his teammates on the sideline against Georgia. So he, this is a great kid. And this is a kid that uh, was that definitely has a great career. Remember, the Texans traded up in the second round. They sent three picks to Cleveland for him to select him 44th overall. Now that draft, as I know for a fact because I was here in Vegas, that was a big move at that point in time. Uh, Mechie had 96 catches for 1,142 yards and eight touchdowns last season at Alabama before tearing his ACL. So he tears his ACL, he loses out on the national championship game opportunity, and then he has this leukemia diagnosis, much more serious, and I wanted to make sure that we got that in. Very important topic here. Some of the other NFL news quickly. Uh, the cleanup, as they're saying, for Devontae Adams. I love Devontae Adams. And having him here in Vegas with the Raiders is massive. He's the best wide receiver in football, clearly. He clarified his comparison that he made between Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers one of the greatest of all time after people were talking about it. Here's Devontae. What I'm not going to do is take away from that statement because – why, why, why is Derek not a, a Hall of Famer, you know? But what I, what I meant, I left one key word out of there because that's not exactly what I meant, but I do think that Derek's career is Hall of Fame worthy, and, and why not? I mean, you know, people can, can say that about this guy or that guy. Yeah, I, I like what Devontae said. First off, a couple things. Devontae has not won a Super Bowl. Green Bay should have won multiple Super Bowls. They have two, one with Favre and one with Aaron Rodgers in this modern era. They should have had four or five right, Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Devontae gets a fresh start in Las Vegas here with the Raiders and an opportunity to win. All he needs is one with the Raiders, and it puts Carr on the map for the Hall of Fame. It puts Devontae Adams on the map for the Hall of Fame. Uh, Devontae's a receiver, so if he puts up certain numbers, he can become a Hall of Famer. You know, certain numbers, Antonio Brown, great receivers have. Some guys go in really early because they do it as a receiver. Others have to wait till late in their career. Devontae Adams is a great player. He can make Derek Carr into a championship quarterback. I love this topic. It's a really important topic because Derek Carr is trending with his stats to be in the same category as other people I consider Hall of Famers. Matt Ryan, Phillip Rivers, uh, no doubt Eli Manning, but Eli Manning's got two chips. Eli Manning had massive numbers if you look at games played as an Ironman. Derek Carr is kind of trending that way. Touchdowns, yards. Derek Carr is trending towards Eli Manning and those numbers and more impressive numbers, but you got to win. You got to win a championship. So that's a, a big topic for me 
because I think Devontae Adams and Derek Carr can come together and win. Here's Josh McDaniels, head coach of the Silver and Black, talking about this new philosophy now. Every single rep is important. If you drop the ball, you're going to run. If you make a mistake, you're going to correct it. There's things I'm learning on a daily basis. It's the same thing with our staff. Um, you know, and the more we do it together, the more we talk about it, the more we use the terminology, the more we see different things, um, the more comfortable you get doing it. And I think that's what we're seeing from our team right now. Josh McDaniels with an important soundbite here on what it's what it means for him to be a Raider. Remember, Denver was just a mistake. He, he talked about that. He's moved on from that. But all the years in New England and all the playoff games, the championships, what he's seen. And now he's a Raider. This team has a huge history and tradition, you know, and um, the will to win and, and, you know, the commitment to, to excellence that um, you see really at every corner of this building. And, um, you know, a lot of the people that I've been able to meet since, since I've come here, you know, they exude that every day and starts with Mr. D. And, um, you know, like I said, that's been in place for a long time. Uh, this is Derek Carr from this past Friday on the Smart Players that they're adding here. Dave Ziegler, the GM, Josh McDaniels, they're keeping players that they've inherited, but looking into bring in other players that fit their system that have the IQ to play with Derek Carr. One thing Dave and uh, Josh have done is like they, they really care about smart football players, especially in the systems that we play in. Um, you know, you got to be super smart. You know, it's not just run out there and just be better, you know, athletically or something like that. It helps if you are, you know, uh, but it, you got to be smart. And I think that that helps. I think it really helps when they communicate something that they can take it and then go do it. All right. I want to go around the league for a little bit. Start with Sean McVay, who his contract is pending. He's going to get it. Stan Kroenke was at his wedding. He had this fabulous wedding that I heard all about. He's in a really good spot about what's happening. I want to talk about Jalen Ramsey and the pup list and what could happen here as he's a little bit banged up, but he's around the team and the organization coming off the Super Bowl championship. Where Jalen's at, the doctors felt like we could clear him in a limited fashion. Um, and, you know, any time that you have a player of his caliber, and, and it really it's fortunate for us that it's an upper body, you know, injury because a lot of the stuff you're still moving around in your lower half. So there were some unique parameters that enabled us to take that approach. Uh, Sean McVay also talked about the return of Aaron Donald, the best defensive player in football. I repeat, the best defensive player in football, no debate is Aaron Donald, and he's back with the world champion Rams. When you reach that, you know, when he had been working so hard to try to get to that goal, there's an exhale. I think you want to be able to let the dust settle, figure out what's important, what can we do to accommodate that if you still want to be able to play football. And uh, really fortunate to have such a great owner. I thought Tony did a great job of being able to work in coordination with Todd France to get a deal done. And then, you know, my dialogue with Aaron throughout the process, I thought was key to be able to feel good about it, but also understand um, what needed to get done. Last year, I picked Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills to win the Super Bowl. I'm probably going to do it again. I probably am. As of now, I don't have to make up my mind, but I have to make it up. The week as we start the season, we always have the Super Bowl preview show. I've done it. It's a tradition unlike any other. Unlike these scoundrels who don't predict their Super Bowl pick until the playoffs begin, I picked the Super Bowl winner before the start of the season. Uh, but Buffalo, a little bit shaky. They were in the news over the weekend. First veterans finally reported, and Josh Allen did not like the first practice that they had. They showed a lot of rust early in camp. Go out there and have days like this where some things didn't work. You know, that's obviously why we do this on the first day. Let's figure out 
what's going to work, how we can fix things, how we can improve. Yeah, I like this is a great quarterback, right? 13 seconds could change his life forever. Remember, I, Dan Marino went to the Super Bowl and never went back early in his career. Josh Allen had a lead at Kansas City with 13 seconds to go, and the rest is history as Mahomes got them back into that game, and they eventually won. Sean McDermott was asked about Vegas predicting the Bills to win the Super Bowl this upcoming year. Yeah, like I said earlier, we're here to work. We're here to work, and we've got a job to do and put a team together. Um, as I said in the spring, um, you know, names on the paper don't uh, amount to a team. A team has to come together. A team has to put the work in. Uh, a team has to persevere through challenges, uh, good moments, bad moments. So, uh, so we'll see how our team comes together and how we handle all those situations. And one more from the Bills when it comes to Von Miller. What an addition. This guy's nowhere near done. Nowhere near done with his rings, multiple rings, plus a Super Bowl MVP, a first ballot Hall of Famer, no debate. And now he gets a fresh start with the Buffalo Bills. Whenever I can interject, you know, some of my knowledge and some of my wisdom, or if I can see something where I could, you know, put my two cents in, I'll do it. But I'm not a, I'm not a preachy rah-rah guy. You know, I'm, I'm coming out trying to make my plays and trying to get my job done. And whenever it's time for Von Miller to, to talk, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to be the first one to do it. And one more big story I wanted to get to. I was talking about this with my friends over the weekend about Google making a play for Sunday ticket in the NFL. We're going to have a new streaming provider to watch out-of-town games with football. I work every Sunday, luckily, and I watch games and I DVR it. When I'm at Allegiant Stadium, I'm watching the Raiders. When I'm not, I'm DVRing it. So my home setup is pretty unique. Couple of TVs actually, and the DVR is going full strength on Sunday, taping full games, and you know the red zone and all that. And then when I get home Sunday night, I'm able to watch games, and then the rest of the week I'm able to talk about it. So that that's how I watch games. But now that's all going to change with these streaming services, because not only are the streaming services going to cover Sunday Ticket, they're going to have new packages on how you get your highlights, how you stream your highlights, and Google has made a late play. According to the New York Times, Google made a bid for the out-of-market service. The games would be streamed through YouTube, which is owned by Google. Other bidders include Apple, Amazon, and Disney. Now, it looks like Apple is going to get Sunday ticket. NFL media executive Brian Rolap told the Times that the league expects to finalize a Sunday ticket arrangement for 2022 and beyond in the coming months. Now, remember, the NFL has got a lot of things they got to clean up. This isn't a negative story. This is massive money coming to the NFL. But they got the Gruden emails, the Brian Flores lawsuit, Daniel Snyder running around the world on a boat, on a yacht, trying to run away from a subpoena. There is a lot going on here. And Google has got massive power because they're Google and they own YouTube. So do they have an advantage over Apple? I would not know. But this is a storyline that we're really excited to talk about here because the league is hoping to get more than $2.5 billion for Sunday ticket. One report pegged the number as high as $3 billion a year. Others have suggested that maybe the talks aren't going well. Otherwise, a deal would be done by now. That's really interesting. The New York Times pins the delay on the league's ongoing interest in dumping other properties into the transaction. Including a piece of NFL Network, the Red Zone Channel, and the NFL Plus, the league's new subscription service. 
Man, the front runner seems to be Apple. CEO Tim Cook has met with league officials, Cowboys owner Jerry Jones, and Patriots owner Robert Kraft regarding Sunday ticket. Man, you fans deserve a lot of credit, man. You spent a lot of money for season tickets. You spent a lot of money for beer. You spent a lot of money. And if you're spending money on Sunday ticket, you better hope they got it cleaned up in the sports bar. You better hope in the sports bar that they have it all cleaned up. And you're going to go into your sports bar or your favorite local watering hole. We know the casinos in Vegas are going to have it perfectly up there. That's not a problem. But you go to some tiny town and pull over on Sunday to get some gas and want to check the scores? You better hope the gal or the guy behind the bar knows how to stream your games. Or that's going to drive you crazy. And a lot of people I talk to are worried about that. I had a caller on my show last night saying, I had a caller on my show last night who owns a uh, sports bar outside of Tahoe. So kind of in a regional place, smaller place there. And he's got 11 or 12 t- TVs. He paid for direct TV. And he doesn't know if his TV's set up right or he's got a smart TV or how he's going to get the streaming device and all of that. So with all of that pending for NFL Sunday ticket, we'll see what happens because I look at it now and I wonder, are they going to be able to make this transition quickly? Are they going to be able to put these smart TVs in all these places and then get the Sunday ticket in with Google or Apple? I'm assuming they will. But a lot of people disagree with me. A lot of other people are looking around saying, no, 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 no. I own a bar. I own a restaurant. I don't know how to do this. I don't know what's going to happen here. My kids know how to do it. My kids understand how to do it. But I don't know if some 59-year-old woman who owns two sports bars outside Milwaukee is going to be able to get all of her TVs fixed and all scheduled right and get rid of the DirecTV box or keep the DirecTV box because they're going to have that channel as their provider, but then they're going to have to stream on Apple. It's going to be very complicated going forward. Hey, I hope we sound good because I'm in Summerlin, and we finally might get rain. I'm looking out of my studio, and it's going to pour any minute. I mean, everything's swaying right to left. Now, they tease us a lot, as Ed Graney would say on the main streets of Summerlin, because we don't seem to get any rain. They get it in Henderson. They get it in any – we get none. I mean, we literally go a year without getting a drop of rain, and it looks like it is going to pour any minute, which would be great – for the grass in front of my house and the turf in the back of my house because we couldn't have grass in the back anymore. Dog was going to eat up the backyard, plus uh, to water the backyard was just throwing money away. So uh, got a little surface there. Don't let the kids putt on it or hit wedges, or they'll tear that up. But maybe some rain coming. Rest of the week, good shows. So we're going to have more sound as the Raiders had an off day. Raiders will get back at it. Seems like camp's going well. I've been to one practice. I'm going to go to two this week. Going to see the Raiders in pads, which is going to be great to see because that's the days that matter most. How do you do in pads? How do you look in pads? How do you play with pads on? You're a football player. As Josh McDaniel said in his most recent press conference that he doesn't see them ever tackling to the ground. There's no need to do that because of injuries. You want to keep the players safe. But good luck with that. Bobby, do we have time to play a big poppy uh, soundbite? If we do, because you're the Red Sox fan. If we can do that, let's see if we could do that. Big Poppy got into the Hall of Fame yesterday. Bobby is a diehard Red Sox fan. And I think it's important because I'll look like a Yankee homer. This guy was a Yankee killer. He literally destroyed the Yankees. He did it multiple times, especially in 04. Congratulations to David Ortiz. If my story can remind you of anything... Let me remind you that when you believe in someone, 
you can change their world. You can change their future. Just like so many people who believe in me. To everyone that believe in me, from my family, to coaches, to teammates, to fans, no, I could not have done this without you. My Hall of Fame plaque represents each, each, each one of you. And I'm going to thank you guys for the rest of my life. That was a nice speech he gave. The Packers just signed safety. Dallin Levitt, formerly of the Raiders. That just came through on the Packers' verified account. So Dallin Levitt gets an opportunity with the Green Bay Packers. That's a big opportunity for him. He made plays with the Raiders. He comes in. I don't know exactly where he's going to fit in with Green Bay, but Green Bay should easily be a playoff team, and they believe a Super Bowl contender. Thanks to Bobby for putting the show together, all of our proud partners. Who do we have today? Ira Matthews. Fantastic to have him. Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton in San Diego on the AFC West. Really excited about that. Our countdown to Cliff continues tomorrow. Jim Plunkett. Jim Plunkett on Tuesday. And one of Cliff's greatest friends his entire life. Other than Mark Davis. George Atkinson on Thursday. Haven't spoke to George on the radio for a while. He gave me my start on the radio. George Atkinson means everything to me in Raider Nation. We will never forget Cliff Branch, and we celebrate him as he counts down to Canton.